I remember once I was in the Atlanta airport. I was coming back from a, a church conference, and I remember everyone telling me, hey, if you're going to the airport, be sure and get there early. And the conference was ending a little early, and so I had some extra time, so I thought, yeah, I'll just get to the airport ahead of time. Um, and it was a smart move, I'll tell you that. Boy, when I got to the Atlanta airport, man, the amount of people there, it's unbelievable. You have all these lines and crowds and this busyness and the hurry, all the people getting back and forth. And so thankfully, before I got to the airport, I'd kind of really kind of prepared myself. I'd had a great week right at this church conference and I was kind of filled up and excited. And I thought, man, I wonder what God is going to do. I, I kind of had that expectation that God could do something as I was at the airport. And, and again, I had extra time. So I thought I'd just kind of meander and take it easy as I got uh, to, to through the security, all those things. And, and I really had kind of put my armor of God on as I went into the airport. And I kind of knew my truths and knew where I was headed. Uh, and so I get there. And again, so many people. And so I get to the, the, the line where you have to go back and forth and back and forth to get to the front where everybody's checking in their bag. And there's all these people up there. And when you look up, there, there's at least 10 places where you could check in, but there's only one spot where a human is actually checking people in. So there's just one employee there checking people and checking in their bags. And I had this sense, you know, everyone around me is just in a hurry. Everyone is rushing and there's this curtness in the air, you know, this sense of anxiety is as people are just wanting to get through this line and hurry up and hurry, hurry, hurry. So I, I'm just aware. And and the, finally, though, another employee comes up, and now we have two people checking in. And, and people are like, finally, yeah, we got some more. It's gonna, we can get through quicker. And, and the people up at the front who are, are checking in, there's those type of people. Have you ever been to a grocery store and there's someone in front of you in line and they wait till the very end after all their, their food is, is scanned and then they start reaching for their checkbook and, and you're thinking to yourself, why didn't you do that earlier? I mean, you've had all this time to start writing your check and they don't start writing the check until it's totaled up and, they, and they're writing that check painfully slow and you're, and you're behind them waiting, right? At that, that's the kind of people who were at uh, that station at the airport. I mean, they were the type of people that didn't know how airports worked, didn't know how life worked. You know, when the, when the person behind the counter, they asked them for their IDs. And the people up there, the family up there, that they were just shocked. You know, why do you need our IDs? Obviously, they hadn't flown. Uh, and so they're struggling, trying to find their IDs, getting... Their, their purses out, getting all their gear out, you know, and there's this business traveler, this business traveler behind me who is absolutely losing his mind. He is going ballistic. The whole time we've been in line, he's, he has struggled uh, with just hurry and rushing. And, and I remember, you know, he has just had enough as he sees this family up there at the front of the line trying to check in. And, and I turn to him and I say, hey, man, I, I, why don't you get in front of me? It looks like you're in a hurry. And, and I got plenty of time. And, and when I said, hey, why don't you get in front of me? He looked at me with this look of shock. He couldn't believe that I was going to let him get in front of me. And, 
And he said, he kind of came out of a trance almost, you know, and, and he said, no, no, I can't, I can't cut in front of you. And I said, no, it's, I said, it's no big deal. I, I got three hours. I literally had three hours until my plane was going to take off. I said, I got, I got plenty of time and it looks like you're in a hurry. So, man, you, you just get up in front of me. I'd love for you to get up in front of me. Uh, and, and he reluctantly took that spot in front of me. And, and then something happened. It, I don't know if it was because I, I told him he could get in front of me. He said, you know what? I'm really not in that big of a hurry. I have a couple hours until my flight leaves. <laughs> and it was just shocked. Uh, here he was losing his mind because he thought he had to be in a hurry. And it took that, that one moment of me just saying, hey, why don't you take my spot? That kind of, again, shocked him out of that trance. And and you could just kind of feel that, that hurry just kind of fall off of him, uh, especially when he was shown another way. It, it, it changed his day. It changed his outlook. And it, it really changed mine as well. Because how many times have I been that hurried business traveler? Not, not really a business traveler, but just been hurried wherever it was, wherever I was, that I was hurrying to get to one place or another and really didn't have to hurry, really had no reason to be in a hurry. You know, we looked at a, a text from Ecclesiastes last week where the author was reflecting on how God made humans. Remember, we talked about how God made us plain and simple, but we have made ourselves complicated, right? <laughs> well, we're, we're looking at another text from Ecclesiastes this week as well. And this is Ecclesiastes 2, 24 and 25. And I love this text. It says this, there's nothing better for mortals than to eat and drink and find enjoyment in their toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? You know, if you just read the first part, the first verse of this text, it sounds more like a commercial for the latest light beer than for a scripture. You know, all we need to do is eat and drink and be merry, really. Uh, and but there's there, there really is there's nothing better than to eat and drink and find enjoyment in your toil in your work. But we really have to get the full context of this text to understand its full meaning. Finding enjoyment in our eating, in our drinking, in our work is from God. Apart from God, there really isn't any enjoyment. There isn't any ultimate enjoyment. And, and I think as many people, even Christians, sometimes they have this wrong sense about what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God, what it means to be a Christian, that if you are a Christian, you're doomed to a life of unhappiness, that you, you can't have any real enjoyment. But that's not it at all. Living it, a life in God brings ultimate enjoyment, ultimate purpose and meaning and happiness and joy. It truly gives you a reason to celebrate and enjoy life, or it should. The whole purpose of this Blur series that we've been going through has been to give us spiritual practices so that we can live differently from the world, so that we can begin to live more kingdom ways, so that we can truly have joy and peace and rest. We've been asking the question, what is the hurry and the rushing and the constant distractions 
doing to our soul. You know that business traveler in the Atlanta airport? He was losing his mind because things were too slow in front of him. Yet he really didn't have anywhere to go or to be. He, he didn't need to be in a rush, but he had lived his life in a rush that that's all he could see. It took someone from the outside offering him a different way that really shook him up and, and made him realize, I don't have to live this way. See, that's the way we are called to live as Christians. That's who we should be. You know, God did not give us or create us this way to, to live in such a blur, constantly hurrying, rushing from one thing to the next way. Jesus gives us a better way. And over the past three weeks, we've been looking at these specific spiritual practices to help guide our life so that we can have enjoyment, pleasure, joy, happiness, peace. The first spiritual disciplines we looked at was, was silence and solitude. It's taking time to be silent, to be alone. And you can even be alone or have solitude even in a room, right? It's, it's, a, it's a frame of a mind, an inner discipline. Uh, but the purpose of that, to silence ourselves and to have solitude, is so that we can hear the still, small voice of God. That's the purpose of it, so that we can see and hear from God, so that He can speak to us and we can listen that's the purpose of silence and solitude, because if we're so busy and we don't take time to listen, we don't know if we're on the right track. If we're going where we're supposed to be, we don't have time to reflect in who God is and who we are in God. Silence and solitude, that was the first spiritual discipline. Second was the idea of Sabbath, that the created order of the world was that we were created to have a Sabbath. Every seven days to rest and worship. That's the way we were designed. We were designed to take time to rest and worship. And so we talked about how, what do you do on the Sabbath? Anything that helps you rest and anything that helps you worship God. That's the way we were designed. And then the third thing, last week we talked about simplicity. A life of both inner and outer simplicity that can give us a deeper grounding in Jesus. We, we talked about how so often we fill our margins with social media with the latest and greatest we buy and we try to fill that numbness in our soul instead of spending that time and, and filling those margins with Jesus, with spiritual disciplines. So again, so these are the things, having that simplicity of heart, uh, grounding our, our lives in simplicity keeps us from living in anxiety. Now, if you've missed any of these sermons in these series, I would encourage you to go back and watch them. You can watch them on our website or Facebook or even on iTunes. You could listen to it as you're, as you're driving as well. Um, and today we're looking at the last of these spiritual disciplines that I think will help us as we go through the blur of life. It's living a life that is intentionally slower than the world around us. It is a slow. How do we learn to slow down? to pay attention. It's not really a proper spiritual discipline in the sense, but it's, it's more of an intentional way of life. And, and it's kind of a rule of life. Do you know what a, a rule of life is? Uh, you know, as its name implies, it's, it's a way to live life intentionally, uh, a way to live life a little differently. And you might, when you think of a rule of life, you might 
think of monks in a monastery going off and living differently. And and true, Catholics, monks, uh, they really understand what a rule of life is, but a rule of life is something we all should be intentional about. We all have a rule of life. It might not just be intentional. We should be looking at our lives as disciples, as mentors, as, as followers of Jesus, that, that we should rule our life, have some boundaries, some disciplines that help us live into who we're called to be in Jesus. Because remember what Jesus said in, in John 10.10, 10, I came so that you could have life, indeed so that you could live life to the fullest. A rule of life following the way of Jesus helps us to live life to its fullest now. To have purpose, meaning, peace, joy. That's what a rule of life can do. It helps us to live the way Jesus lived. Um, it's a way that we can live in closer proximity with Jesus. And again, I would encourage you as you're reflecting through this series that you would begin to maybe form your own rule of life. I've begun to do this in my own life and it's, it's hard. It is a discipline, uh, but I think it's good. Um, things like taking time to be silent and having solitude on a regular basis, taking a weekly Sabbath, living in simplicity. These can be and probably should be a part of your rule of life. Uh, other things that we can add into our rule of life might be prayer, fasting, scripture reading, you know, those things that we understand are important. But let me remind us again of the purpose of these. The purpose of these is to draw us closer to God, to draw us closer to Jesus, to help us to hear the Spirit's voice so that we can know what we can do and what we should be doing, to hear the voice of Jesus in our life, to give purpose, rest, and joy. I want to return back to a text that we've used multiple times over this series. And it's, again, these are the words of Jesus in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 11, 28-30. Here's what Jesus says. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What I love about this text is that Jesus tells us that, that his yoke is easy, his burden is light, and he's going to give us rest. Typically, what we want is when, when we pray, we pray for more strength or more time to get done what we need to do. We, we pray for more hacks so that we can be more effective and efficient in our time together. And Jesus, so often, he doesn't answer that prayer because what we need is not more time. We don't need more strength, more energy, more caffeine. What we need is to learn to slow down and to rest. And the reason why we can't live into this text from Matthew is because we're asking for something we want and Jesus wants to give us something we need. Rest, an easy yoke. But to do that, we have to pull back, not press on in that. What we need is rest. We need solitude. We need a rule of life. So for us to live that easy yoke, we have to spend more time with Jesus listening and hearing from Him, giving Him our cares and our worries, turning them over to Him. These 
practices that we've been doing, going over, will help us to live with a lighter burden. Again, it takes time. It's, it's going against the grain of culture, but it's going in the grain of the way we are created. So as we end this series, we're going to look at several controversial practices to help us in our slowing and learning to slow down. So here you go. Take a deep breath. <laughs> You're going to need it. Uh, because some of these ideas, they might make you mad, and they might make you angry, they might seem crazy. And indeed, they're, they can be a challenge. And they're not ultra spiritual. They're just some simple practices to help us slow down, to reorient our brain, to think about who we are in Jesus. I got a, a lot of these from, again, from John Mark Comer's great book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, and so, great book. I encourage you to read it. So here, here's some of the ideas that he says. One, drive the speed limit. I know it sounds crazy, doesn't it? But actually drive the speed limit. I, I did this. I was trying to do this the other day, and, and it was fascinating as I'm driving because I don't know what it is. There's certain personalities. I'm probably one of them. You might be one of them, too, that... We always want to push the limit, don't we? We want to go three miles per hour or five or 10, whatever it is. But we, we want to be pushing that limit instead of pulling back and intentionally slowing down to the speed limit. Now, don't drive below the speed limit. Everyone will hate you at that point, right? But what about driving the speed limit, slowing back down and being intentional about it, being aware? Actually get in the slow lane, right? Watch the world go by without feeling that need to rush, reflect on nature, settle into uh, the rhythm of grace around you. Here's one I didn't want to put down. Come to a full stop at stop signs. Again, I was tempted to skip this one because my wife is going to hear this sermon. Uh, because my grandpa was one of the first ones who taught me how to drive, and stop signs for him were a suggestion, not a rule. And and I and I have that in me. You know, you come to a stop sign, and, and I don't want to, you know, I feel like I have to rush through. Instead, you know, come to a complete stop. There's something about that that just kind of pushes back from the rush and the blur of culture. It makes you take a deep breath. Of course, don't text and drive. I mean, everyone tells us not to do that, but how many of you actually try to text and drive? Let it go. I think this is a good word for all of us. We can be safer. Uh, and for that matter, don't text and eat. Uh, don't text and be in a conversation with someone. Just be present with people. Just be present in the moment. Here's one. Show up early to a meeting or an appointment without your phone. And, and just spend that time being bored or praying or uh, looking around, starting a conversation, reading a book, reading a magazine, and not filling it with your phone, your social media, whatever it is. Uh, get in the longest line at the, the longest checkout line at the grocery store. This one will test your Christianity. It does mine every time I do it, but there's times when I intentionally get in the longest line, usually by myself, because I do need to practice that slowing down and not trying to rush through. And I can, when I do it, I can physically feel that tension release. Now, initially, I have more tension because I think I have to rush, but then when I, when I kind of Think through it. I'm like, I, I can let it go. I think it's important. You might try turning off your phone. 
disabled notices and only looked at, at them on your schedule, not its schedule. Uh, the world will not end if you don't respond to a text immediately. Um, you know, don't always feel like you have to update your status or look at your phone. And, and then parent your phone, meaning, you know, like a parent, you put your children to bed at a certain time, maybe you need to do the same with your phone. Before you go to sleep, maybe an hour before you go to sleep, put your phone to bed uh, and, and don't look at it anymore so that you can begin to slow down. Uh, don't look at your phone first thing in the morning when you wake up. Again, guilty. Uh, maybe maybe fit in your rule of life that you're going to read the Bible or pray, spend time with God, be alone before you get on your phone. Be a great rule to put into your rule of life. Set a time limit for social media. That might be a part of your rule of life as well. That you, you know, your phones now can tell you how much time you've spent doing certain activities. And, and maybe you have to actually physically set a timer and just say, okay, I'm going to spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is on social media, and then I'm going to be done. Um, get outside and walk in nature slowly. A great way just to disconnect, slow down, take a deep breath in, in how you live. Um, Stop multitasking. Uh, practice the fine art of doing one thing at a time. It's hard, I know, but it is so good for us. Journal. Journaling is a great way to kind of slow down and, and get your thoughts out on paper. Um, you, you know those, all those other things we've already talked about? Silence and solitude, Sabbath, simplicity. Begin to practice those. Uh, take a long vacation if you can. I know uh, if you have that ability, you know, sometimes it takes between five and eight days for us to settle in. So if you can take two weeks back to back, man, do it if you can, if you have that ability. Take that rest and time off. Another thing that I'm bad about is, is not scheduling times between meetings. And so be intentional about trying to schedule time, a buffer between meetings so that you're not rushing from one thing to another, but you have a little bit of time to reflect, to Think through what you just did and where you're going so that you're not always feeling hurried and harried. What else? What other thoughts, ideas do you have? I would love to hear uh, from you. Um, if you're watching from Facebook, uh, I'd love for you to comment below practices that you might be have in your life, in your rule of life as well, that help you slow down. We could all benefit from hearing from one another on what things uh, we do to help us in the blur of life. Again, all these things we've been looking at over this series has been designed to help us connect deeper to Jesus and, in a sense, with one another. How will you live your life differently in the blur of life? Let me pray for us. Again, we thank you, God, for the ways that you've shown us in your word and through Jesus how we are to live. Help us to practice these disciplines and to be intentional about being your children, to listen, to have silence, to take Sabbath, to live more simply, to slow down in how we do what we do, and to be present with you and with others. Guide us in this journey of faith that we are all on, and we will trust you, Lord, to guide us. We love you, Lord, and we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. God bless y'all. We're going to be starting a new series next week. Uh, called uh, Messy Life Together. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians. And so I'd encourage you this week, uh, maybe uh, take some time and read through that whole letter from Paul from 1 Corinthians. Blessings. Y'all have a good week.